Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. My name is Harriet Kimmick, and it's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And there's a lot going on. It's safe to say today that there is a lot going on, and I don't know about you, but I'm still hoping for a terrific Tuesday, and I hope and trust that we will have a terrific day. So today I want to talk about something that is circling, and that's going around, and it just happened because I live in Michigan, and this was just brought to my attention that a judge in Oakland County, Michigan, uh, sentenced a 15-year-old girl to juvenile detention because she didn't do her homework while on lockdown during, during, uh, during the pandemic. Apparently, the child has had some behavioral issues. But instead of uh, dealing with or doing remedial sort of uh, remedies that the judge had available to her, she instead gave this child a prison record and gave her a criminal record that's going to haunt her. This particular judge, the the reason this is interesting is because this particular judge uh, has a history and a pattern of attacking women of color and ethnic women in particular. Just a few years ago, she literally took children from an abusive father and husband and gave them, took them from the mother who was trying to get custody and gave them to the abusive father despite all the evidence, despite everything that was in front of her. She's been under judicial review. She's the presiding judge for the Oakland County Family Division, and I'm surprised she's still on the bench. I have had some some knowledge of her because there was another case that I knew about that she presided over, and she was disrespectful both to the attorney and to the defendant, who was also ethnic. And I remember when I heard about it, when they told me, when somebody told me about it, that I remember saying, boy, it seems like she just has a problem with ethnic women. But I, you know, just put it down to judicial purview and and so on and kind of left it. But not after reading the story. These are the kinds of judges that have to be removed. They must be removed from the bench. They cannot be allowed to preside over a court system and over people's lives. And we, the public, are to trust them that they are going to exercise judicial prudence on people's lives. You can't do that anymore. It just does not work anymore. It just simply does not. You can't just have these kinds of judges. And I think I'm going to have to talk about this on a, on a separate show because we can't just have judges who, because of their own racist agenda and their own racist purview, if you are, feel like you're racist, don't serve the public. Because you're not just serving one group of people, you're serving everybody in the community. And I feel as if that if my opinion, and my opinion matters, and my opinion is valuable, and I feel that if you're going to be a judge, a prosecutor, 
you're going to be a mayor, then you need to be aware that you are presiding over everyone in your purview, everybody in your jurisdiction. If you're going to be the chief of police, the lieutenant, you're not just here for one, you're here for all. So when you're handing out down judgments, it must seem fair. The rest of the community must trust you that what you're doing is fair. It can't just be that it looks fair to some, but not to others. It just doesn't work that way anymore. I feel like this judge. So go to my Twitter feed and you'll see my comments about it. it it's just, it, she just, she needs to go. She's done her time. This is not the first or second or third case that this woman has been caught up in. Every case that she has touched now needs to be reviewed. This judge, she is a woman. I don't know what her problem is. I would hate, I don't live in her county. So it's hardly likely I'm going to appear under her jurisdiction. Hardly likely. But I tell you, she has a problem with ethnic women. She is racist and she needs to be removed. We can't, we can't have that anymore. It's time out for that, people. It's time out. This is a new age. And we all need to be aware of it. No matter what color skin you walk around in, we all need to be aware of it. Because now we're beginning to see the long-term effects of racism. It used to be that everybody said, well, if I'm not white, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me. But it affects the whole community when everybody is in an uprising, when everybody is marching and protesting, when people feel touched, when people feel like they're not getting the benefit of the doubt. No, you realize it's not just the black problem. It's not just the Hispanic problem. It's all of our problems. So when these things happen, they need to be brought to the attention of the public for the public to say, this judge needs to be recalled and this judge needs to be removed. I don't live in Oakland County, Michigan. Hey, and I will not, I promise you, but she needs to be removed because this is crazy. You've sentenced a 15-year-old child for not doing her homework and steal candy. She didn't take the money out of the teacher's little thing. She didn't steal somebody's lunch. She didn't break a window at school. She didn't tear something down. For not doing her homework during the pandemic, you're going to sentence her to juvenile detention? Are you out of your mind, Judge Brennan? You need to be removed, ma'am, promptly. They need to take you out. You are racist. And it should bother you that I say you are racist. It should bother you. And if it doesn't bother you, you definitely need to be removed. This is not your court. This is, you don't own Oakland County, Michigan. You don't own the courts. You are not Lord, God, and judge that you can hand down sentences indiscriminately to people. You need to understand that. Everybody who is in a position of power, you need to be mindful of the power that you wield with the instruments that have been given to you. And if you can't be mindful, then go back in time to 50 years ago when you could have done that. But in this day and age, uh, it's just not going to fly. See what I'm saying? It's just not going to fly. Time out for that. Oh, my goodness. My word. The stuff you read about. The stuff you, you become aware of. The stuff that continues. No matter how we try to, to, to find parity and to find a space where we don't have to talk up, where we don't have to continually live while black. The, no matter how you try, there's always somebody, there's always something that is threatening or reminding you. This is why we talk about the science of epigenetics and the fact that we continually live with trauma, that people in minority communities continually are traumatized 
This is why. Why should I have to worry about living in Oakland County, Michigan, because there is a racist judge presiding over the federal over over the family division? Why should I have to think about that? Why should I, as an ethnic minority, have to think about that? So if I am Jewish, because she did that to a Jewish family a couple years ago. So if I'm Jewish or I am Arab or I'm Middle Eastern or I'm from Somalia or, or Yemen or something, I have to worry about that. It's time for her to go because she's paid her salary. It's paid by the taxes collected in the county from the people who live in the county. Therefore, you are responsible for some reason. People who are elected seem to forget whom they're responsible to. They tend to think that they're only responsible to the big donors who wrote the big checks for 5000 1000 5000 $500,000, a million. And then they forget that who you really are responsible to are the people who voted. You see the trick? The trick with the capitalist society is that it tricks you into thinking that it's all about the money. And then you forget that, well, hold up, there's a whole other reality behind that. Because if the people still don't vote, because though it's capitalism, it's still democratic, which means the people have to vote for you. I think we forget that a lot. We're seeing that right now. Right now, right this minute, the stock market is burgeoning, but Main Street is dead. The businesses on Main Street all across this country are closed and are out of business. How then is the stock market burgeoning? How is the stock market progressing? How is the stock market showing record gains? There's a disconnect there. The disconnect is that all the money is in big business and Main Street is dead. Do you see what I'm saying? So the people who own Main Street and the people who live on Main Street and the people, those are the people who vote. Those are the people who buy goods and services of the big boys on the Wall Street. So if the people, the small people, don't buy your goods and services, you're going to tank. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You, do you see my point? How is, how is the stock market progressing and displaying and have record gains and Main Street is dead? There's something wrong with that picture. There is something so very wrong that if you don't see something wrong with it, something is wrong with it. Well, it's the same thing with this racist agenda that this judge is preventing. She is continuing. She lives in her own bubble, in her own head. She has her own ideas about minorities and people. And therefore, she feels that she should do what she wants to do with the instrument of power that she wields, which is a gavel. She's in the family division. Imagine if you put her in charge of the criminal court. <laughs> I guess Oakland County would never run out of business. Yeah? I kid you not. She's in the family division. She tells me that she probably has criminalized a lot of family cases. That's what that tells me. Every case that she has touched needs to be checked. And this is not unique, by the way. This is just one judge. Can you imagine how many more judges are there? Can you imagine how many more judges, not just in Oakland County, in Wayne County, and Everett County, not just in Michigan, but across the country? This is what we refer to as living while black. Because it never ends. Sometimes I tune up. You ever know that sometimes I don't comment on stuff? You know what? I'm taking a break. I'm taking a break from looking at the stuff because it's not that I don't see it. I do see it. But to draw attention to it, I'm going to have to get involved in it. 
And getting involved in it means that I have to uh, displace and disposition myself so that it does not affect me because I'm still living in my own skin. I still have to walk around with me. Do you see what I'm saying? I still have to live as myself. And so what you find is that sometimes I, I just don't talk about this the stuff. I just don't write about it or, or, or reference it. It's not that I don't see it. Like if someone close to me had not brought this to, about this judge to my attention, I would not have talked about it because it's painful. I have an 18-year-old daughter. What if this were my kid? What if this had happened to my kid? That She wouldn't be on the bench. You'd all read about me on the 6 o'clock news by now because I would have led a march against her because this can't continue. We cannot continue. And for those of you in power who are listening to me, you know who I'm talking about. It cannot continue. We must stamp out racism and this kind of protectionism that exists amongst people in power that you continue to protect them as they roll out their individual agendas. Maybe she sits down at night and talks to her family and they talk about all these stories about all these colors and all these people taking over and blah, blah, blah. Then she uses her instrument of power to come and exact revenge on her, on, on, on her group of people because she thinks that the minority is not going to be the majority, and then she's going to be the minority, so she's going to use every instrument of power. I don't know. I just think that that's how people think. Meanwhile, the U.S. economy is tanking because we have a virus that is out of control. Meanwhile, black women who get pregnant and who live in areas controlled where there is high pollution are giving, more birth, are giving birth to stillbirth and having babies prematurely and low birth weight babies. These are the issues. We have a real problem with climate change. We experienced that in Michigan. We're in the Northern Midwest. There is no way we're supposed to have seven days of temperatures over 90 degrees. It, it clocked one day at 103 degrees on my car thing, my car temperature thing. I was freaked out. I thought a car was going to melt. When I stepped out of the car, I thought my body, my skin had melted off of me. I stayed inside for days. I could not go outside. The sun was this hot. Right now, my, my hands are burned and the side of my face is burnt from the sun. What we are experiencing is excessive heat in a state that normally does not have temperatures over 84 degrees during summer. That's at the high end of summer. And now we're having excessive heat. We're after 11, you don't even go out after 9.30, it's so hot. The brief walk from the building to the car is enough to make your skin melt. In Michigan, climate change is real. Denying the science is, is, is what is killing us during this pandemic. If only they had listened to the scientists, this pandemic would not have happened. They refused to still get people tested. They still refused to apportion the resources that are necessary to keep the country under control because, because they want to keep the numbers down, because they think it will favor them in an election. So they let it run rampant through black and brown communities so black and brown people won't go out to vote. That's, that, that's it. That's it. That's the agenda. That's what, in the meantime, everybody is getting the coronavirus because it does not discriminate. So while they have their agenda of racism and hatred towards people of color, 
The rest of us are still getting it. Everybody is getting affected. Everybody knows somebody who has been touched by the coronavirus. Everybody. This is how deep racism is. I saw somebody put up a post on Instagram some time ago, and she said, a white woman, she's pregnant. So she's holding up this poster. And the poster said, if I had sent, if my son had gone out to buy Skittles and didn't return, if my son who was playing with a toy got shot, went to the park, had a toy in his hand, and didn't return, if my son called out I kept mama while they had his, uh, had his knee on his neck, she said, I would have burnt the city down too. You Do you see what I'm saying? There is an awakening now when things have gone all right. There is an awakening that the, the racism is too rampant. And the rabidness of the racism is hurting not just the people whom it is hurting. It's hurting all of us. Because now we're all emotionally caught up in it. Because now they're talking about it everywhere you turn, on social media, everywhere. So now you can't help it. You look around you and you realize, if, if, if you're a white person, you're walking around, you realize that people of color don't laugh with you, don't smile with you. When they see you coming, they, they turn away because they see you now as just part of the racist class who is probably going to call the police on them or lock them up or do something. So they're not engaging with you. It affects you. It bothers you. And if it doesn't bother you, something is wrong with you. You want to engage with people because, you, you, you know, white people are saying, I'm not racist. Yeah, but your grandfather still is. We have one that, you know, we have some of them in leadership right now. And they are racist. The things that come out of your mouth is almost as if, like, are you thinking? The racism is rampant and rabid, and it is hurting. It is hurtful, and it is beyond hurtful. Some of us, like myself, talk about it and bring attention to it. And there are others who march. And there are others who still want legislation done. And for those of you who are white, you need to step back and look at the ways in which you are contributing to this. You know, your silence is complicity. By not speaking up, by not saying anything. I know most of you, because I have some friends who uh, told me that they can't even go home for uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> that when they go home for Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's on a bobbing. It's like, oh my God, they can only do it for one day and then they're out of there. That was the environment in which they grew up. It goes without saying some of these folks are social justice warriors. Yes, as white as they are. Because they're like, you have no idea how we grew up. You have... They are even against women. And these are powerful women themselves. So I know that this exists. And they know that this exists. And this is what we're talking about. L- listen up. I've said this many, many times. And I'm going to say it again. I don't know where the misinformation came from that this country only belongs to white people. That's not true. It belongs to everybody. We all worked for it. We all contributed to it. My ancestors did, your ancestors did. So the idea, the very idea that only white people are entitled to what is good in America is, has been wrong, was wrong, is wrong, and will continue to be wrong. This country, the American economy, has been the greatest economy since 1871. Do you know what was happening in 1871? Slavery had just ended. Do you know what was slavery? Slavery was the enslavement of black labor. 
used to work on cotton fields in the South that propelled America to the forefront of world politics and world economics. So who did that again? So the very notion and the very idea is disingenuous at best. Right now in our country, some of our greatest scientists are people who came from other lands. They don't look like me nor you. They don't sound like me or you. But they have the greatest minds. So America is for all of us. They're just as American as apple pie. They eat foods. They talk. They are passionate about defending this country and, and what our country stands for. We need to get back to that. I think sometimes we get so focused on the local politics that we forget the agenda, the bigger agenda. We got to get rid of these people who are in positions of power and who wield their power like this judge on people whom she deems to be powerless. I think that's what rankers me, that you're going to look at me and by the color of my skin, you're going to judge me as nobody. Therefore, you can use your power against me. You know, she might have picked the wrong one on the wrong day. Because the mother of that child spoke up. You can't do that. If the child broke the school rules, if she broke the thing, duh, we already live in a society where black people are, are locked up and criminalized for things that white people get away with. When sentences are handed down, sentences are, are, are proven to be more harsh for black, uh, black defendants than white defendants. Black defendants are two times more likely to get a harsh sentence than a white defendant will ever get. So if the kid had smashed a window at school, you know, attacked a safety officer, attacked the teacher in the classroom, I wouldn't be defending her because she broke the law. But she didn't do her homework. That sounds like a personal problem between her and her mother and the school, but not something for the judge to order her to juvenile detention. That's what you call excessive force. And we need to take a look at excessive force in these scenarios. I'm going to do some work on it. I promise you, I'll get back to you on that, right? So today I want to talk about climate change and how it's impacting pregnant black women. And let me read to you why we think this is important. So pregnant women exposed to high temperatures, right, uh, or air pollution are more likely to have children who are premature, underweight, or stillborn, and African-American mothers and babies are harmed at a much higher rate than the population at large. According to sweeping new research examining more than 32 million births in the U.S., the research adds to a growing body of evidence that minorities bear a disproportionate share of the danger from pollution and global warming. Do I have anybody who can, uh, who can uh, talk about that in here? Uh, I have an 18-year-old daughter. And uh, years ago, when, she, when I was pregnant with her, I lived in Central Florida. 
So I lived in um, what's that community? It was called Dr. Phillips. It's the middle class area of Central Florida, right? Orlando, just you know, you know, just right outside of Orlando, downtown Orlando. Uh, it's well known, yeah. Most people who live in the area or from there, they know of the area, so it's easy to be identified. And I was pregnant. I was a minority in that community, and I was pregnant with my young with my daughter at the time. And I can begin to tell you how many tests they ran. I have, I, I mean, just because of the color of my skin, right? And my daughter was born healthily, a, a bit. Uh, she was a big baby at birth school. I should not have had her naturally. And to this day that my doctor is still wondering, to this day my doc, current doctor and others still wonder how did I give birth. I myself find it terrific that I gave birth to a 10-pound baby when I could not have physiologically. These are the things that happen to black women. There is racism in every factor and sector of life. That's why we call it systemic racism, because it's system-wide. It is so structured and designed in such a way that it alienates and isolates people of color from resources that provide the security and sanctity of life. Now, women in, in Appalachia, white women in Appalachia, when they get pregnant, they're just branded as poor but they still have access to healthcare when they present themselves at the healthcare, at healthcare clinics. Black women, no matter what demographic we come from, when you present yourself to the healthcare establishment, we're still marginalized and oppressed and mistreated by healthcare professionals simply because of the color of your skin. This is outrageous and must stop. So I'm going to read you some numbers so you don't think, and I think I I published the link already. This was on the New York Times uh, for this story that we're talking about climate change and how it impacts black women. So listen to this. Women exposed to high temperatures or air pollution are more likely to have premature, underweight, or stillborn babies. The study looked at 32 million U.S. births. Black women are hardest at, at, at they're, they're more uh, susceptible to being given much higher rates than the population. I know you all just looked at me. Uh, minorities and pollution and global warming and the pandemic. Do you, can I just draw a graph? So the graph is, look at this. I'm going to draw it. This is the graph. I'm going to put minorities in here, and you're going to see pollution, pandemic, healthcare, climate change. Does that look familiar? Minorities, pollution. So black women in this study who live in areas where there is air pollution are more likely to have stillbirth babies underweight babies, and premature babies. So a few weeks ago, we did a study on uh, Cancer Alley in Louisiana. Then we found that there were other Cancer Alleys in the country. There's one in Houston. So wherever large industries happen, chances are that the babies who are born are underweight, they're low birth weight. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. 
their low birth weight, they're stillborn, and they have birth issues. Now, let's go back to the low birth weight. I told you 18 years ago I was pregnant with my, with my, with my daughter, right? I lived in, in, in middle class Orlando, a suburb of middle class Orlando. Okay, so I went to the doctor. They sent me to a nutritionist. And for the life of me, I was like, why do I need a nutritionist? I know how to eat, right? They did blood work. And of course, I have never, I, I don't have those issues, right? So I asked questions. I asked, why am I seeing a nutritionist? I asked the nutritionist. I said, why am I seeing a nutritionist? Now, at the time <laughs> when I became pregnant, I weighed something like 120 pounds because I was very slender and I was, you know, when you're pregnant in the first trimester, you don't eat anything. So you, whatever weight you had, I probably started the pregnancy at a normal weight of 135 pounds. Quickly, in over time, it, uh, just not eating anything. So I said, why do I need a nutritionist? I, I'm in the first trimester, entering the second trimester. I can't keep anything down, blah, blah, blah. She said, no, that's not the issue. The nutritionist said, that's not the issue. The issue is that Women sometimes come in and they are overweight, but they don't have, but the babies are born low or sometimes we don't know. So we just want to know, it doesn't matter where you live or what your, you know, your, your social economic group is. We just want to make sure that we have a correct profile of what your daily meal intake looks like. I was like, is this the government? I was like, seriously? I said, well, here's what we eat. Since you want to know and you want to get into what I eat because the government is give, making me give birth to a, a specimen. So I outlined what I eat. So then she said, but I didn't understand. See, at the time, I didn't understand the systemic racist issues. I had never been to a doctor before where, where when I was pregnant that they ever asked me, where, what do I eat? So it, it was kind of new to me. I, I did not fully understand it, and nobody around me could explain it. Finally, uh, a social worker they even sent a social worker now. Now that I'm thinking about it, all those things were unusual. And the social worker is black, was black. So the, it was the social worker who helped me to put into context what was going on and how it's systemic racism because she said, I don't have any reason to be here because they made an alarm unnecessarily. You are comfortably housed. You live in your own home. You live, you know, in, in middle class neighborhoods. And I don't understand why. She said her conclusion was, I don't even understand why they sent me out to visit with you. We lived in a four-bedroom house, two-and-a-half bathrooms in middle-class Orlando, Dr. Phillips. And they still sent a social worker out. I displayed no evidence of physical or mental abuse, <laughs> right? I was not underweight. I didn't appear to be malnutrition. I had no communicable diseases. Why did they do that? These are the systemic racist issues. So the next time I went to the doctor, I said, where do you live? What's your address, doctor? Turns out he lived in the community not, not far from where I live. I said, is that what your issue is? I said, is it because of my origin that you think you immediately apportion to me situations that don't apply? And he apologized. I said, how dare you send me to a nutritionist to find out what I'm eating every day? I said, do you want me to invite you to my dinner table? I said, let me explain something to you. 
My neighbors are all white. They have their children whom they don't pay attention to, and they're just as middle class as I am. So when I make dinner in the evenings, their baby son comes over every evening for dinner. And then he goes home to his parents because his dad doesn't get home until 6.30. So their baby son comes and eats dinner at my table every evening, Monday through Saturday. Every evening. He knows when it's dinner time. In fact, I had to put a refrigerator in the garage and fill it with the condiments in summertime that, you know, children like, you know, all the little frozen popsicles and stuff, because I got tired of them. They were just coming into my house, opening the door from the garage all the time to just come in and get stuff because my daughter was very, you know, she's very effervescent and always playing with everybody. So I said, so how dare you? I said, my, I don't, when my neighbor was pregnant, you, she wasn't asked these questions. So why are you asking me these questions? Ladies and gentlemen, when they come at you with racism, push back. Ask the questions because what they're trying to do is do what their ancestors did, which was intimidation. If they can intimidate you into being shut up, then you will spend the rest of your life in a jail cell that is physical or you will spend your life in a mental jail cell forever thinking you are a victim forever being victimized. Speak up. Do you know that by the time my child was born, that doctor resigned his position because they were about to be sued by me and my family because that child could have killed me. My body was not physically able to give birth to a child that big and they knew it and did not do anything about it. By the grace of God, I'm sitting here today and my baby is, she's 18, 18 now and I love her more than life itself, <laughs> right? I, I think she takes advantage of that sometimes. You know, she knows she can get away with stuff with mom. Yeah. So when she's ready, she flutter her eyelashes and say mommy. And I'm like, oh, because I'm remembering how I could have lost her and my life. This is what black pregnant women go through all the time. So this report does not shock me because I have experienced it. Had I not lived it, and experienced it, I would never have known what it is like. It took me years to talk about this. I could not face it or confront it for years because I could not believe that the system could be so racist. I learned to speak up. Well, they say that I was always speaking up from when I was a child, but when it becomes personal, it was one thing looking at others and defending people and speaking up on their behalf. But when it came to me, I was like, wait a minute. How, how, how does that work? Ladies and gentlemen, speak up. Do not feel that you must accept this low standard. Question it. Why are you talking to me? Why do you speak to me that way? Why are you giving me this service, but you don't give it to that person? Speak up. And you have a cell phone. God bless the cell phone and the internet. Record it. Put it up on Facebook, Twitter, and every social media platform and let the whole world see them acting out. Then they might, either they leave their positions or they change. Just like what you see happening with Tucker Carlson right now. His writer is racist. The guy has a pseudonym that he's on Twitter stalking women and calling people by racist names. And nobody did anything about it because people didn't put the two together until the internet exploded with the fact that the racist Stalker on Twitter is the same person who writes for Tucker Carlson. 
No, Tucker Carlson is accusing Twitter and everybody else that they're wrong. No, you had a racist person write that stuff. No, he's taking a vacation. As you should, you should take a permanent one. My goodness, the racism. Speak up. Trust me, speak up. Do not just sit back and take it. The question is, why do these things continue to, and people, we fall into the mode of be careful. You've got to be so careful that you don't accept this and you stop fighting at it and you accept it until you become so caged and you don't even know how to get out of it. You, you shouldn't. So if you don't like the service, you go, uh, years ago, I had a girl in my shelter and she needed to go to the doctor. Now, she's a human trafficking victim. She looks like a sex worker, but you don't know her story that she was trafficked from. She was three years old from a whole other country. I'm brought here by Christian missionaries. Yes. Okay. And she went to the doctor. I wasn't with her. Someone else took her to the doctor. And when she returned, I noticed her composure and her demeanor had changed. So I said, what's up? And she said, I don't like that doctor. I said, well, what happened at the doctor? And she said, I just don't like the I said, what happened? So then when I made further inquiries, I found out that the doctor, not only was she racist, she was classist. She, you know, she treated her like she was, she scorned her. That is not what the Hippocratic Oath is about. So I said, I wasn't there with you, but you need to learn to speak up. If that does not work for you, you don't sit there and take it. You need to say, this is not working for me. And you need to ask to see another doctor. If you don't want to see me and you cannot provide the service to me that as a human being, I should be provided with while you're getting paid by my insurance company, then I need to speak with someone else. I told her the truth. I said, that's what you said. So maybe I didn't believe her. I had to take her to the emergency room. We went to, uh, my partner took her to another hospital. I wasn't in agreement with it. And I, we went to the hospital and the doc, another doctor, a male doctor, acted the same way. So I called the hospital administrator. I insisted that the hospital administrator present themselves. I gave them my business card and I said, this person should not be handling the public. He gets paid by the insurance that is on this person's. I said, he should not be here. You ladies and gentlemen, you have to speak up. There's a young woman who came to me a few years ago. And she thought she was feeling lumps in her breast. Now, she doesn't fit their profile. I mean, she's young, really young. You know, she wasn't even 30 yet. But her own breast self-examination said that these had been there for a while. She went to the doctor, and the doctor refused to touch her breast, and the doctor refused to examine her. She, the doctor refused, she, a female doctor. She was Asian. So I said, uh, you need to go back there and insist to speak with another doctor because you need to be examined. She went back, and when she asked to speak with another doctor, they said they could not see her. They stand by what the Asian doctor had said. I said, all right, well, this is an emergency. Go down to the, the ER and complain so that you can get the service you need. Turns out she went down to the ER, complained, and yes, there were a lump in her breast. Had it not been attended to at the time when it did, it could have had catastrophic effects for her and her family. At the insistence that you must go and get it attended to. I said, well, now that you're done, 
you need to call the insurance company and tell them you're changing from that doctor because they're racist. And she said, well, I said, you need to speak up because if she's doing it to you, she's doing it to others. You need to speak up so that they know that this doctor is not someone they need to put in a community of color because she doesn't like to handle people of color. You see what I'm saying? You will have to speak up. If you don't speak up, what's your protection? If you don't speak up, what is it going to take? They're going to do it to you over and over again. If you don't speak up, they're going to do it to someone else who looks and sounds like you. If you don't speak up, there's going to be no remedy. Why should you be the one who carries the burden of racism alone? No, speak up so that the person who is racist to you also has to carry the burden and the ugliness of their actions to you, not because you're a criminal, not because you're a bad person, but simply on the basis of the color of your skin. Speak up. Speak up. Speak the hell up, people. Speak up. Record these people when they're racist. Record them in every instance. You walk into a Starbucks, you walk into a pharmacy, you walk into a hospital, you walk into a doctor's office, you walk into a realtor's office, you live in a community, and all of a sudden, some arbitrary neighbor just suddenly decides that they're going to march in front of your house because they don't like the fact that you live in the same community that they live in. Record them, get their name, put it up there. Let others see so that the companies they work for will fire them. Because here's the deal. In America today, companies do not want this racist thing attached to them because they recognize that as a society for us to progress, we must move forward. So the people who are still dragging in the 20th century and the latter part of the 19th century, they are being left behind by corporations today who recognize if they want to stay competitive with the rest of the world, if they want to stay competitive and earn people's money, they are going to have to be more progressive than they are. So they will fire these bad actors. They will fire these people, all the judges and all the people who feel that they're not going to see and treat black, uh, black mothers for enduring pregnancy. All of these people, they're bad actors. Expose them. Do not be afraid. Expose them. Record them. Speak up. We have higher rates of infant and maternal mortality for any developed nation in the world. It shouldn't happen. It doesn't happen in Japan, doesn't happen in England, doesn't happen in France, Sweden, or anywhere else, but it happens in America. And the infant mortality, maternal mortality rate is higher among black and brown mothers. That is simply racism. Speak up. Let me give you some more numbers to think about. Black mothers who are located near pollution industries have higher higher uh, birth rates, higher stillborns, and higher low birth rates. Pollution, risk to the mother, she, if she has asthma, it's over. Rising temperatures, listen to this. Temperature increases by one degree in the week before delivery means a 6% likelihood of stillbirth between May and September. Did you hear that? Every, every time the temperature increases by one degree in the week before delivery, in the last trimester of pregnancy, means a 6% likelihood of stillbirth between May and September. I kid you not. High exposure to air pollution during the final trimester is linked to a 42% increase in the risk of stillbirth. Half a million births in Florida 
in 2004 to 2005. Every three months, a mother lives to a plant that uses garbage to produce energy with a higher the risk of low birth weight is increased by 3%. Living close to power plants has a higher risk of problematic births. Climate change, much affecting pregnant black women. You know what this is called? Living while black. You like it? In every instance, we see how pervasive and how racism permeates all sectors of the society. We see how it impacts children before they're even born. They're not even given a chance from the birth, from, from birth to come out. It starts becoming a problem. We got to do something. We, we got to be better. We can be better. It's just like Mick, uh, Rick Mulvaney, who is the former White House Chief of Staff. He said on Twitter yesterday that the rates of testing in America is inexcusable. You know why? We have the resources. The test kits are all packed up at the CDC. They're there. There's nothing wrong with them. They're all there. Why aren't they being freed up and distributed so people can be tested? And why are they being so people can be tested so we all know, okay, you can't go out and mix and keep infecting everybody else? Because some people don't want the numbers to look high. Because if the numbers look high, then it's going to look bad on them and they won't win a re-election. Chances are you're not going to win the re-election the way things are going now because now people are really looking at it like, seriously, you could have avoided this when you let us all get sick? Seriously? Do you see what I'm saying? That's the, ir- the irony in this. If you had handled it well, would have said, okay, he, was, he demonstrated that he's a good leader. Okay. But now you have the test kits. We have the resources to combat low birth weight and stillbirth and still birth amongst black women. We do have it. We're just not doing it because it's racism. It's this attitude, this apathy towards black women, this apathy towards black people that I don't care. This apathy, that's what it is. You have to be careful of apathy. You, you, you know what apathy breeds? Nazism. You remember that guy, Hitler? He created that apathy in Europe, in, in Austria, and marched right into Germany with it. You know why? Because after a while, he blamed the Jews for everything. It was the Jews' fault why everybody else was poor. It was the Jews' fault for taking all the money. The Jews had lived there for centuries, created their own industries, created their own economies, had their own cultural life. But it was the Jews' fault. He creates, so people became, when people started seeing the Jews being dragged in the streets and being killed in the streets and being locked up, there was this national apathy. You know what it led to? The Holocaust. Six million people put in the ovens. It created fascism and Nazism. You got to be careful with apathy. America, wake up. We can't become apathetic to the needs of our vulnerable populations. We can't continue to describe people. We, we got to get rid of those little boxes that says what ethnicity and what color and race you are. Get rid of it. Stop branding people according to their color and their race. That's 
creating apathy. We already see it. People applying for loans, it doesn't matter. Let the credit score and the credit record dis, uh, d- detail that, <laughs> right? People applying for a job, let the resume speak for itself. That's their capability. That's their capacity, their resume. People applying for running for governor, running for president, running for whatever it is that the case might be, let their background speak for itself, not the color of their skin. It's time for us to start judging ourselves based on our character and not the color of our skin. It's time for that, right? I got to go, folks. It's Tuesday, I think. It's still Tuesday. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me today on this episode of Down to Earth. I got to get out of here. Thank you so much. Go to my website, HarrietCamera.com, as well as get my book, Through the Fire. Through the Fire. It's available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. It's a story packed with how I lived through the fire. We're walking through the fire right now in America, it seems. So get my story on how we survived this and walked through it with all the attendant issues of being a minority in a country where we're clearly not the majority. Thanks so much for listening. Go to my pages on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Breaker. Thank you so much for listening to me on Breaker. We're doing really well. And Spreaker, and make sure you listen to us and stream us on iHeartRadio as well as on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Thank you so much for your continued support of our broadcast. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. Have a great day. Happy Tuesday gonna be terrific thanks so much everybody be blessed sometimes i forget that my screen With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.